You know what it is. That's right. It's time to talk money with your money nerd and financial coach. Now, tighten those purse strings and open those ears. It's the Money Talk with Tiff podcast. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Money Talk with Tiff podcast. So today I'm super excited because I have Justin Pope on the line. Now, Justin is an award-winning author and real estate consultant. His book, Rental Secrets, has already helped so many people around the country. He's been featured on Fox News, The Mercury News, SFGate, Realtor.com and ApartmentTherapy.com, among others. Um, Since 2003, he has developed and managed apartments, rental homes, and student housing across the United States. So I'm super excited to have Justin on. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Tiffany. I'm glad to be here. Absolutely. So let me just give people a little background about me and Justin. So we actually met at FinCon. And when I say we had a ball, um, this was my party partner throughout the whole FinCon. He can dance his butt off. Um, But you can you actually can see him in my behind the scenes FinCon video um, if you check that out. Um, So I'm so, so super excited to have him on. Now, we're just going to jump right in because When I met him and he told me what he wrote about and what his interest was, I was like, this is so unique. And so with Rental Secrets, um, he actually tells people about how to negotiate their rent, how to get better deals from their landlord, how to navigate the whole rental process and things like that. So I said, you have to come on the show. (laughs) We got to help the people. So with that being said, um, millions of people rent every year. So how can there be so many secrets about it? Like, what are we not knowing? (laughs) (laughs) There's a lot that most people don't don't know. Um, And it's kind of like there's no financial literacy classes, literacy classes in school. There's no classes on on renting and how to control your expenses. Um, in, in school. Um, and then even once you leave school and you go into the, you go into a bookstore, you go into the real estate section, you'll see books for owners and managers and investors. You will not see one book there from the renter perspective. Um, and that's actually the experience I had. And part of the reason why I wrote the books, I'm looking at the bookshelf. I'm like, huh? So you mean there's 43 plus million households out there who are renting and nobody's talking to them, even though they're the ones paying half a trillion dollars in rent every year. And that's trillion with a T. Um, so that's really where the, really where the book, really where the book came from. Um, and yeah, it's true. People, people rent all the time every year, but there's no really discussion of the mechanics of renting. Why do landlords do what they do? Um, why are landlords charging certain rents in certain areas? Um, why is my rent going up every year? Like people just like, Oh, just the landlord's just greedy. Like that's just what it is. Um, but if people actually understood the mechanics behind it and what's actually going on, not only will they get a better feel for what levers they can pull to affect the amount of rent that they're paying, they may actually be able to start a more valuable relationship with their landlord, um, which will serve both people very well. So speaking of, okay, so let's go back. You said a lot. (laughs) And there's so so many different points that I want to pull out. So let's start with, um, I know when I used to rent, right? Every time I would go to an apartment office or whatever, they would be like, well, our rents are 
competitive with the market. Okay. So mm-hmm. what is this market and how as a renter can I see if really these rents are competitive with mm-hmm. the market or is this something that they're just telling me? So this is a really good example of people. Most people don't understand the language that landlords are using. They understand the word competitive and the word market. They understand the word our, but when you put it all together, they don't understand the meaning of this sentence. Mm-hmm. Um, so when they say our, they're looking at their specific apartment community in whatever area of the city that it's in. When they say market, what they're looking at is they will, they will put a little pin in their community and they'll go out maybe a mile to a mile and a half and they'll draw a circle around their community. That's what they define as market. And competitive within that market, they're only looking at properties that have the same, have similar amenities, similar finishes, similar features to their apartment building. Mm-hmm. So that's specifically what they're specifically what they're talking about. Now, that means they're not talking about apartments that might be on the other side of the city that might be cheaper. They're not comparing themselves to that. They're not comparing themselves to single family homes or or um, rooming rental situations. Um, they're not comparing them s- themselves to communities that they that they may feel have better amenities or worse amenities than they do. So it's a very narrow view mm-hmm. that they're talking about when they say our rents are competitive with the market. And that has, and by the way, that has nothing to do with you. Mm-hmm. They don't know what market you're actually looking in. They don't understand that you're looking at them because their community is half an hour West of your job, let's say. Mm-hmm. But there are other communities that are half an hour East. They don't consider that their competition, but you do because you want to be within a half hour of your job. Mm. But so your market, so your definition of market is much broader than their definition of market is. So let me ask you a question with that, because that's so interesting. I've never thought of it in that way, um, (laughs) but it's so true. So how can we use, like, if we were renters, right? Mm -hmm. How can we use what we define as our market to our advantage when we're going to these different apartment complexes? Absolutely. So the first step is to actually look at those other communities that are say half hour east of your job and get pricing information from those communities and actually speak to the people who are leasing those apartments and get that information. So now when you go to the community of your choice, you can say, these are the market options that I have. You are priced above that. Where can we meet in the middle? Um, I actually had, I was actually managing an apartment building in Campbell, California, working on a renewal with one of the, with one of the renters and the re- initial renewal offer was to increase their rent a hundred dollars. And they, ju- they did just that exercise. They went out and they got other information from other communities that they considered comparable. They weren't close to the, they weren't necessarily within a mile of our community, but they were market options for him. Mm. And he presented those and we ended up negotiating down to an increase of $50 instead of a hundred. Um, but what he's, but when you do that, what you're really doing is you're telling your apartment, your landlord, this is the marketplace you're competing in. 
and I get to define the marketplace that you're competing in. And that changes, that, that shifts the perspective. Mm-hmm. And, and so, because see, I've always been, so when I was renting, right, it was mm-hmm. always these huge companies. And so they would be like, well, this is what it is right now, you know, based on our vacancy and things like that. Um, so you can actually go back to those bigger apartment complex communities and actually negotiate these prices. Absolutely. So in writing this book, I'm, identif- I'm basically identifying problems that all landlords have, regardless of whether they're huge corporations, small mom and pop operations, it doesn't really matter. Just by being a landlord, you are going to be dealing with issues of vacancy, marketing, um, you know, um, you know, vetting tenants, like this, this is, this is the nature of the beast. This is the animal that you're dealing with. Mm -hmm. So even with larger corporations, you can negotiate with them. The difference between talking to the landlord directly and working with a larger corporation is when you're dealing with a corporation, the first person you, your point of contact is someone who has no power on their own. Mm. So because of that, it's important to give that person the ammunition they need to go and make your case to their boss. So if you walk in their office and you're like, my rent's too high, I don't want to pay this much, blah, 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 they're not going to take that to their boss. But if you walk into their office and, and you say, well, based on my market analysis, I have these other options in the marketplace for what I'm looking for for what I'm looking for. And that's how, and, and this is how your pricing compares to that. And if I choose to move out, these are the costs that you're going to have to incur vacancy, cleaning, repair, cost of finding a new tenant, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. What do you want to do? Mm-hmm. Now that is a case that that person can take to their boss and say, look, we are going to incur these costs if they decide to move out. This is the, these are the, these are their options out in the marketplace. This is how we compare. What do you want to do? And now they can have that conversation and then that person will come back to you with an answer. Mm, So, so, okay. So this is what I'm getting from this and audience, this is what you need to take away. Um, Make sure you come with some ammunition, some data behind what Mm -hmm. you're saying. Um, Because like Justin said, coming in and saying, oh, the rent's too high. What do you mean you're going up? And, (laughs) you know, that's not giving them any concrete anything to go off of. But if you can look around in your neighborhood, maybe other places you may move and present that, then you have more of a chance of actually getting what you want. Yes, absolutely. Because there, there's real costs when someone moves out of, a, of an apartment and you as a renter are in charge of deciding whether you're going to move out or not. Well, let's, let's pause for a minute. Let's talk about that, right? So let's talk about what does vacancy really mean for landlords? Because I know like when I was apartment hopping, because every year when they would try to up there, I would move um, for mm-hmm. that reason. Um, but sometimes I would talk to them and be like, oh, well, our vacancy percentage is high. So this is where it's at. You know, we're not going any lower, whatever, whatever. So mm-hmm. what does vacancy really mean for landlords out there? And how can we use that to our advantage? Vacancy is one of the, if not the largest, one of the largest expenses that landlords deal with. And 
and an apartment is not the same as backup. So let's say that, let's use an example. So let's say you own a car dealership, right? Okay. And you, and you sell eight cars today. It was a great day. You sold eight cars. What are those other two cars worth tomorrow? Basically the exact same amount. Mm-hmm. Now, when you're talking about renting apartments, let's say the apartment is $900 a month. If I don't, if that apartment is not rented on the, on the first day of the month, that apartment is no longer worth $900 for the month. Mm. You lose $30 because you didn't get it on that first day. And because you didn't get it on the first day, you will never get it back. Mm. There's no, there's nobody on the planet who's dense enough to rent an apartment from last week. Like nobody's going to pay for last week. Last week is gone. It doesn't exist anymore. So there's this, so landlords have to have this bias towards action as far as renting an apartment, because every day that passes is a, is a, is a day of rent that they will never be able to get back. So with that being said, because when you put it like that, because I've never thought about it in this way, but when you put it like that, that means is, is there certain times where renting is better, like actually going to the apartment complex? So like, if it's like, you know, you're saying every day that it's on the market is losing money. So does that Mm -hmm. mean like towards the middle end of the month is like prime time or middle end of the year is like prime time? (laughs) Like, Well, there's a number of different timing factors. Like, so from the standpoint of losing rent every day, prime time is today. Like make me an offer today. And if it's reasonable and it fits with what I need to fit, if it's reasonable enough, I will accept that offer today because I want to stop losing money. Oh. I'm losing, I'm, there's my, and I, the biggest, the biggest problem is I can't get it back. Mm-hmm. It's gone. Um, so, I mean, so that's, so that's why, so that's, so that's one part of the timing. The other part of timing is there's real estate is cyclical and every year there's a time when demand is high and that is late spring into summer. And it's really high for two main reasons. One is everybody's graduating from college or high school or trade school, whatever, whatever school you went to, it finishes late spring and summer. Mm-hmm. So those are the, so all of those people are now looking for places to live. And there's like four to 5 million, like millions of these people. Okay. Across the country. Then the other driver is parents who are moving, who want to get their kids, who want to get their family settled before the new, before the new school year starts. Mm-hmm. Well, when does the new school year start? mid-August into September. And if they want to get situated before that, that falls square into late spring and summer. Mm-hmm. So there's all this movement going around in the late spring and summer timeframe. And landlords know this and they charge more, they charge higher rents during that period because everybody's trying to move around and get situated and find the next place where they're going to live. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, if you also look at late fall into winter, not as many people are looking 
Now, granted, the the amount of the number of apartments available is going to be lower too, but there are very few people looking, and the difference in the number of people who are looking is like eighty percent difference. Like it's huge. Mm. Okay, so in winter and and late fall, there are discounts that you can get. And depending on what city you're looking for and what type of apartment you're looking for, that discount can be as big as 7%. Hmm. And people, some people can say, well, 7%, that's not a big deal, but it's 7% built. You're starting at a low amount, which means your future rent increases are going to be lower because you're starting off of a smaller base. So it compounds. So if you graduate from college and you can figure out how to move home for a few months or sleep on somebody's couch for a few months and, you know, and, you know, tough that out, then there's an opportunity to get lower to, to rent a place for a lower amount. Um, and then there's other strategies that people can do to reduce their rent too. Like, for example, you, you rent with roommates, um, so there, so there are other, there are other strategies too. Now that the, that strategy doesn't fit with everybody. Um, but that is, that that is one potential strategy that they could also use, but for timing, yes, your best bet is late fall into winter. Gotcha. Which makes sense because, you know, you hear a lot of people like, oh, I don't want to move in the winter. It's cold. Mm-hmm. I don't want to, you know, yeah. all of that stuff. And so, yeah. and tying it back to the, to the vacancy issue. If I have a vacant apartment in winter, I am not waiting until summer to fill that spot and charge higher prices. I need that filled today because mm. um, I don't want to lose out on six months of rent waiting for the time when I can rent it for more. Right, right. So if I'm somebody that's currently looking for a place to rent or whatever, mm-hmm. what do you feel as not the expert here? What do you feel is the best source of where to find these apartments and stuff? I know a lot of people use like apartments.com or something like that, but where do you find the best results when you're looking for these types of things? Honestly, the best place to look is Craigslist. Mm. So like, so like a lot of these apartment search websites, they are designed with the landlord or property owner in mind. So people can pay to be ranked higher in the rankings. So they're skewing your view of the market in that way. Craigslist is skewing anything. Type in your parameters, you get a list. That that's that's it. Um, so that's, so that's a good source of information for places to, to go out there and, and look and tour and all of that, but there are other interesting sources of information too. So when you're actually on this, oh yes. Oh yes. So when you're actually on the tour, you're going to talk to the leasing agent and they're going to, they're going to give you the, the whole spiel about this place is the best thing since sliced bread. And this is all the great amenities, blah, blah, blah. Okay. So. But before you leave, if there is an opportunity to talk to someone who actually lives there, because it's not just, you're not just paying for space, you're paying, there's some other services that are wrapped around that too. So in talking to somebody who actually lives there, you can find out, do they actually come fix things when they say they're going to? 
Um, who are the quality of the maintenance people? Um, does this property management company like live up to the reputation? Do they actually follow through on the commitments? You know, questions like that to see whether you're actually going to get the value out of what you're paying for, for that apartment. Mm. Another good source of information is just the neighborhood around the apartment. Cause you're not just renting a, an apartment in an apartment community. That apartment community is also in a neighborhood. So when the leasing agent says, yeah, you get one parking space, but there's plenty of street parking. Come back at five o'clock. See if there really is street parking, you know, or they'll say, you know, this is, this is a great community for kids because we have a park down the street. Go check out that park and see if you really want to let your kids play there or not. Mm-hmm. You know, those kinds of things. So you can get in, so you, so you can get information not only from the leasing agent, but also from the people who live there. And by t- kind of doing a little tour of the surrounding neighborhood and seeing whether what the leasing agent is telling you is actually true. Yes. And see, that's one thing that I was smart about when I was looking at apartments. <laughs> um, I would do like recon missions where I would mm-hmm. go at night. I would go in the morning Absolutely. I would go during the day just to see like what type of activities happen. You know, if it's people up late being loud um, or, mm-hmm. you know, with the parking situation, because I've been at apartment complexes where the parking was horrible. And I'm mm-hmm. like, darn, like if I would have known, like I would have <laughs> had to walk like a half a block just to get to my apartment I may have picked somewhere else um so I like what you said there it's very important to like do your own research on top of what they tell you because of course these are salespeople, right so yeah they're gonna make it seem like it's the best thing since sliced bread like you said oh and the swimming pool okay so let's say the community you're looking at has a swimming pool um come back on Saturday in the afternoon and see what's going on in that pool, how many people are there and that kind of thing. Because if one of the residents is inviting 20 of their closest friends to be in the pool every weekend, like you're not really going to get a chance to use it, but you're still paying for it. Right. That's a good point too. Cause there, I've been in a few apartment complexes where they had like the doggy parks and, you know, Mm -hmm. playgrounds, all that stuff that we never used. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, Let's talk about amenities while we're, while we're at it on this subject. So people will go to these apartment complexes and they'll be like, Oh, they have the pool and they have the gym and you know, the dog park and the playground, there's all these great amenities. And, they rent the apartment and they never use them, which means they're throwing money away because what happens is, and this is from the, from the, from the property management owner standpoint, if I'm going to, if I'm going to add an amenity to a property, I'm going to take the cost of that amenity and I'm going to divide it across every apartment And then I'll adjust the amount I'm adding based on how close the apartment is to that amenity. So there is what is called amenity pricing. So whether you actually use it or not, it is built into your rent. Mm. So then people are like, well, how do I use that to reduce my rent? So you're looking for apartments, complexes that only have the amenities that you will use. Mm. That's how you, that's how you use that information to your, to your advantage. 
because I've given plenty of tours to people and like, oh yeah, that's a great pool, blah, blah, blah. And you'd think that there would be all this competition for using the pool every day of the week and there's not. <laughs> it, it, it doesn't happen. Like maybe there'll be one or two people out there a week out of like 40 or 50 apartments. Like that, that's the reality of what's going on. Interesting, interesting. Because yeah, I definitely fall into that trap. Uh, you know, I used to fall mm-hmm. into that trap when I was looking at apartments. And honestly, the best apartment I ever had, it had no dishwasher, it had no washer and dryer connections. Everything was included in the rent and it was the cheapest I had ever paid. And I got the most enjoyment out of that apartment. Um, and mm-hmm. so I was just like, huh. And they didn't have a pool. They didn't have any of that mm-hmm. stuff. It was just like bare, like bare minimum for me, but it was just like perfect. Like, mm-hmm. and I tell people that all the time, like that was the best apartment I've, I've lived in. Um, mm-hmm. And people are like, well, they didn't have this and they didn't have that. And it's like, I didn't need it. So I didn't pay for it. But that mm-hmm. was the only time I made the right decision. <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise, after that, it was just like, oh, pool. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh. And um, uh-huh. never, never step foot in the pool, never mm-hmm. step foot in the gym, never step foot on mm-hmm. the doggy park or on the playground, <laughs> even when I have yeah. kids. <laughs> yeah. Actually, let's talk about that gym for a second. So they'll have equipment in the gym or whatever. And when people are deciding which community they're going to go in, they're like, oh, the gym is so convenient and it's right here. So I can cancel my gym membership. Nine times out of 10, that's not going to happen. You're going to end up paying for the same gym membership that you already had. Plus the, uh, that you may or may not have been using to begin with. Um, plus, you know, the added amount that you're paying to rent for, you're paying in rent for the gym that's, that's on site. Mm -hmm. So is it possible? So knowing that, okay, so let's say I'm looking at an apartment and they have like the pool and all that stuff. And you said a lot of times it's based on the distance from the apartment, Mm -hmm. from that amenity, Mm -hmm. um, would it be okay to ask for an apartment that's further away? Like, how does that work? Can you use that to your advantage? Okay. And this is this, and I don't want all of your, all of I want the whole audience to, to listen to this. If you listen to nothing else, listen to this. It is perfectly acceptable to ask for whatever you want and need. Mm. The person, the leasing agent is not in charge of your budget or your finances, nor are they going to help you pay the rent. So you ask whatever questions you want to ask when you are on that tour. Mm. So that's the first, that's the first thing. So when you call, when you call an apartment community, they're going to start, they're going to start asking you a series of questions. You know, do you need one or two bedrooms? Would you like to be on the, you know, which, you know, would you like to be on the first or second floor? Um, do you, would you like to be near the, would you like to be near the laundry room? Would you like to be asking you these questions? And when most people are answering those questions, they're answering them based on what would be, what sounds nice. Mm. Like, sure. I want to be near the laundry room. Yeah. I want to overlook the pool. All of now, what's happening on the other side of the phone 
the leasing agent has this list of apartments that are available. As you're talking, they are crossing apartments off of the list that don't fit your answers to those questions. Okay. And now that, and then they narrow it down to like one apartment that's available that fits the answers to your questions. And their response is great. Thanks for calling. We have one apartment that fits your needs. How soon can you get here? And you're like, Oh my God, they only have one. I, I, I need to rush down there right now. And I can't negotiate because they only have one. Like, that's that that's where that conversation that's how that conversation usually goes mm. well did you really need to overlook the swimming pool maybe you didn't need to be next to the laundry room maybe you just needed a laundry basket with wheels like th thinking about it in a different way now starts to open up options and possibilities and here's the other thing as they're crossing apartments off the list they're not telling you what trade-off you're making mm. There could, there could have been, there could have been an apartment in the far back corner, away from the swimming pool, away from the laundry room. It was $50 because it's not close to everything else. They're not telling you that it's $50 cheaper when they're crossing things off the list. They're just crossing things off the list. Mm -hmm. And if you don't know trade-off is, it makes it difficult for you to make an informed decision about renting a particular community. Mm, that's good. That's good. <laughs> because I never <laughs> thought about any of that. And you're right. They go through these questions like, well, what are you looking for? And it mm -hmm. kind of reminds me um, when I was early in my HR career, right? My career coach told me, you know, when they ask you, um, so tell me about yourself when you're in the interview, what they're looking for is for you to disqualify yourself. They want you mm -hmm. to have um, diarrhea of the mouth and just go off mm -hmm. on tangents and things like that. And it's kind of the same situation. Like they're looking for ways that they can cross off these cheaper rent places. Mm -hmm. So that way they can tell you, well, we only have one and this is how much it is. If you can get here now, you know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, Cause from their perspective, they don't want to have to show you 10 or 15 apartments. Like if it, they're, they're trying to make their life easier. Mm -hmm. And if getting down to this one apartment and if asking you these questions can get us down to this one apartment that you want to see when you show up on my property, then I then let's do that. Mm. But it's about me, but asking those questions. It, well, I take that back. It's not only about making their life easier. They are trying to present you with an apartment that you want. Right. But by crossing off, by crossing things off the list and not telling you what the trade-offs are, in a sense, they're in a sense they're making the decision for you. But it's based on the answers that you're providing. Um, but they're not giving you all the information. Mm -hmm. And and kind of by law, there's so there's this there's a thing called the fair housing law. They can't steer you towards a particular apartment, but they can ask you questions and you steer yourself towards a particular apartment. Um, that, that's, that's, how that, that's how that works. But understanding what the other person is doing in, in response to your answers is really important. Now, there's one thing that I've noticed when I was a renter, right, was that 
their website will have what the market rent is for like whatever floor plan or whatever you're interested in. But mm-hmm. I noticed that I've never paid what they said was the market rent. So Mm-mm. what like <laughs> what, what's going on with that? <laughs> um, so it's interesting because we've come to feel that the Internet knows everything. And it's not really true. So if you're looking for information on a very general topic, yes, the internet will have a lot of information. If you're looking for information on a very specific topic, such as the price of apartments at this particular community, well, there's really only one person or organization that has that information. They can present it however they want to. So I had this experience where I'm working for this property management company. And we, at the time we had 10 vacancies, in, in, but only three of them were put on the website. So just to give people an idea of the cost for different floor plans that we had. Okay. So yeah, you can see those three on the, on the, on the website, but if you just look at the website, you have no idea that there's seven other apartments that are available. And if you look on the website and you just see three, I'm like, well, they don't have a lot of apartments available. You're, you're setting the the mindset of scarcity Mm. just from that. And so it's, so it's not entirely true that the internet knows everything. Um, That's why it's important to getting back to, if you listen to nothing else, ask questions when you go to rent an apartment. Yes, yes. Okay, so let me, I'm going to switch gears just a tad bit, um, Mm -hmm. because I do want to ask this question. So when it comes to paying rent, okay, Mm -hmm. how should people be paying? So like, I know I've been in situations where they had like an online portal, you know, you could pay Mm -hmm. online. And I've been in situations where I paid it always by check, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, So what's the best way to pay your rent um, to your landlord? Okay, first of all, Never, ever, and I want you to listen to this, never, ever pay your rent in cash. Cash belongs to whoever is holding it. And if the person you hand that cash to decides to be less than scrupulous, then your rent is not paid. And that's a problem. Okay, so now we've got that out of the way. Um, The other thing is, If you pay your rent with a money order, right when you get the money order, put the name of your landlord or property manager in the pay to line. Mm -hmm. Because if you lose that money order, it's as good as cash. And we've already talked about how bad paying in cash is. So (laughs) (laughs) So there's that. So there's that. Okay. Now, moving on from that, your, your two other options are paying with a check, whether that is like an online ACH thing where you put in your routing number and account number, or it's a physical check. Mm -hmm. Um, Paying by check typically does not cost any money, whether you use the ACH routing number or you pay with a physical check. Those two methods usually don't cost any money. Now, debit cards and credit cards. Paying with those in many cases will come with a convenience fee. 
and that fee can be as high as 5%. Now, let's say your rent is $1,000. Your convenience fee will then be $50. I can think of any number of ways to spend your money that will be more useful to you than a convenience fee for paying your rent. I mean, lighting it on, lighting your $50 on fire would be more useful than paying the convenience <laughs> fee. <laughs> I mean, it, it's, you're just giving away money. Mm-hmm. Now, some people will do it because they get a certain number of points or they get a certain, they're trying to reach, achieve some level on a particular credit card, that kind of thing. And for those people, it may serve some kind of purpose, but generally speaking, I would avoid paying with a, with a credit or, or debit card. And I would stick to the, I would stick to paying by check. Um, or, you know, if it's online, you know, putting in the ACH, doing the ACH transfer, um, or paying by money order for those people who don't have, who don't have accounts, um, And while we're on the subject of payment, if you're going to pay with a physical check, be sure they have a drop box that is secure where you can leave that check and payment um, and not have to depend on handing it to a person. Mm. And if you do hand it to a person, you should get a receipt, right? Always, 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 always get a receipt, regardless of how you pay there should be a receipt that comes because mm-hmm. if there's, if there's, if there ultimately is any kind of dispute in this, in, in this lands in court, that's going to be the question. They say you didn't pay. You say you did. The, the judge is going to ask, where's the receipt? Mm-hmm. And then if you don't have it, it's your word against theirs. And <laughs> yes. Yes. I mean, you're putting, you're putting, you're putting the judge in the situation of having to decide who is more credible and it's best to just avoid that altogether. If you have proof, bring it. And if you, if you, and if you're dealing through your dealings with the landlord, the receipt is proof and they should be giving that proof to you on a regular basis. Um, and here's another benefit of the of the checks is many times you can get a copy of the canceled check after the fact. If you don't have the receipt or you've lost the receipt or whatever, you can get a copy of the canceled check from the bank and it will say, my landlord on the you know, on the page of the order line. Mm-hmm. Um, and that can serve as proof as well. Mm, that's a good point too, because usually when you pay in check, like a personal check and there's a couple of different kinds of checks because um, I know sometimes I would pay in a cashier's check, um, which is when you go to the bank and then they make sure the money's in there and then they mm-hmm. write the check just to make sure it's legit and everything mm-hmm. like that. But I personally preferred the personal check route because when it goes into my account, like when they take it out, they have a picture of the front and the back. So you can see Mm -hmm. like who actually signed for it, you know, Mm -hmm. and how it actually like when it took the money out and things like that. So I preferred that, but not everybody liked personal checks. So some places I had to do cashier's check. And to be honest, not everybody who's renting actually has a checking account. For, for various checks. for various reasons. Oh yes, yes. One of my so part of part of what we 
did when we were investing in real estate was we invested in some student housing. There's a whole story about how we got into that and all of that. But to, to the topic we're talking about right now, one of those students actually handed me a blank check that had been signed by his mother to pay his rent. And I was like, no, 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 no. We need to sit down and have a conversation. Because if you handed this to the wrong person, your family would be straight broke right now. <laughs> right. What? Like under the bridge broke. But you know what? I'm like, I'm glad we're bringing this topic up because I had just talked to a lady the other day and she was telling me a story of how her daughter, so this is her first apartment. Um, mm-hmm. The landlords are older, so they required a check. Okay. Mm-hmm. The daughter, now mind you, she's fresh out of high school, maybe one or two years into college. She didn't know how to write a check whatsoever. So she calls her mom panicking. The mo- She had to cash app the mom. The mom had to write the check <laughs> and things like that. So parents, mm-hmm. if you have kids, teach them how to write checks. Um, so that way yes. they have that skill because checks aren't, um, you know, it's becoming less and less of needing checks, but there's still situations like this where checks are still important. So definitely make sure your kids, because they're not teaching it in school. <laughs> no, no. Uh, when we say the school is not doing financial literacy, we mean not doing financial literacy at all. Not even how to write a check. So make <laughs> sure that is in your household curriculum um, that you teach your kids how to write these checks. Because even though, you know, people are like, well, checks are going out and things like that, there are certain situations where you might need a check. Like I just had a business situation where we needed a check. Um, so you, it's, it's a skill that's still needed. Um, so parents, please make sure that you are doing that for your kids. So thank you so much, Justin, for coming on the show today. You dropped so many gems, um, like stuff where I'm like, where were you years ago when I was parenting? (laughs) Um, So if people were interested in finding out more about you or about the book or anything like that, um, where would they be able to find you? Yeah, I mean, I've talked to so many people who are like, I needed that information like 20 years ago. Where were you? (laughs) Um, But yeah, if people want to find more information about me, um, they can go to rentalsecrets.net. I'm also on all the usual social media suspects, and my handle is Rental Secrets, except on Twitter, it's Rental Secret. (laughs) Um, But yeah, absolutely. And actually, on my social media, I post a tip daily for renters and and landlords um so yeah definitely follow me definitely follow me there um and there's also a free gift available for your audience if they go to rentalsecrets.net too awesome awesome and look he's not even gonna give us a little spoiler on what it is he's like you gotta go fight uh, all right all right all right you since you asked, no 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 don't no, no, no. i want them what? to go and they need to figure okay. it out <laughs> okay I need yeah, them to go yeah. figure it out um, because when I tell you Justin is an expert, he's been doing this for so long and I have learned so much, not just in this interview, but also in just our conversations. He's a wealth of knowledge. And I love that you do that uh, tip every day. So I'm definitely subscribing to you because I need all <laughs> these tips. Um, so thank you so much, Justin. And I'll have all of his information in the show notes. So make sure you click on that. If you didn't catch it, it's in the show notes. All right. Um, Thank you so much, Justin, again, for being on the show. And I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day. 
Thank you for listening, joining, and being a part of the Money Talk with Tiff podcast this week. You can check Tiff out every Thursday for a new Money Talk podcast. But if you just can't wait until next week, you can listen to previous podcast episodes at moneytalkwitht.com or follow Tiff on all social media platforms at Money Talk with T. Until next time, spend wise by spending less than you make. A word to the money wise is always sufficient.